Andrew, thanks for being on the podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. We get to talk about my favorite things. Business, Portland, ducks, <laughs> sports, maybe some blazers. So, uh, so for the folks that don't know, you are with Oregonian. You, you're their sports reporter. How long have you been there? Since 2013. Okay. I was hired to cover the ducks football and basketball, um, just ducks athletics in general. And then a year later, I basically was kind of uh, changed to just really ducks football. Right. I mean, I cover a lot of stuff throughout the year, but the main responsibility is ducks football because mm-hmm. there's an appetite for that. It's probably, it's the most read thing in the sports section. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Over timbers, over blazers, over Oregon state ducks football drives. Um, so yeah. much traffic. Yeah. And we were just talking before this, you, I mean, just like, this is a good time for you because you're kind of prepping for football season. But once that happens, it's like, 24 7 basically right yeah next week uh pac 12 holds its media days for the football season in la so i'll be down there for two days along with gina mizell who -hmm. covers oregon state for us Mm -hmm. and then uh the week after that oregon starts training camp in eugene and they might go five or six days a week so i'll be in eugene three or four days a week Mm -hmm. until the season opener which is Mm -hmm. september 2nd and then then you kind of get in that week cycle where it's you know you're down there again three or four days a week and, and you basically come up for air in early December, right when the regular season ends, but then there's good possibility Oregon will play in a bowl. Mm-hmm. So then bowl practices start. Um, when the bowl is over, recruiting enters its final month until signing day, which is the first Wednesday in February. So it's not really until then that media from college football kind of feels like you can take a little bit of time. Yeah. Well, we'll get into. I want to talk about the. Ducks because new staff and I, so I'm interested in that. But you know, for this for this kind of show, we have a lot of executives that listen and really about business. And it's funny, like when I was at the Oregonian, we had the speaker series and we brought Joey Harrington in. That you, you interviewed him. I think one of the questions you asked him was kind of about this college sports and money thing, right? <laughs> yeah, the money thing has been dogging it for a while, right? And he, and he had some opinions about that, right? But uh, want to kind of start with that and. You know, it's been going on for a while. We've had these different lawsuits with like the O'Bannon brothers or Bannon. And so what's kind of the latest on that? What's going on with that? Um, do you, do you know or where things are? Certain schools allowing? It's, it's kind of, I feel like two years ago, it really changed when, um, they got for the first time these on top of a scholarship. Now scholarship athletes get cost of attendance also mm-hmm. taken care of. So each, each university across the country calculates their cost of attendance differently. You know, it's livability. So, mm-hmm. you know, a school in a more urban area might say it's going to cost more to, to, you know, to live and, and get books and have some spending money than it would in a more rural university. Right. So everyone does it differently. And there's some, there's some, you know, suspicions that some schools fudge it because they want, you know, to give players mm-hmm. more money. I don't think that's, I, you know, who knows, mm-hmm. but everyone does it differently. I think at Oregon, it was around maybe $2,300 a year. Okay. Um, and so basically the athletes now get that on top of their scholarship to kind of, um, fill the gap that, you know, you get the scholarship, but you also have to, you know, that's not going to cover all of your expenses. And so that's, that was a big kind of student athlete welfare change that came in about two years ago. And when I was, um, talking to players about this two years ago, I'm still planning on writing them more in depth about it. I was saying, do you actually like feel that difference in your monthly? I mean, twenty three hundred bucks is not right for a year, nine ten months. Totally. But <laughs> these guys were saying, like, yeah, it means you know means I can go to the grocery store like a little more often, or yeah. I, you know, they they talked about how there really were times where they felt like 
you know, I'm this athlete who I go to a workout in a place, a $90 million facility, the Hatfield Down Complex in Eugene. You know, I get the latest uniforms. I'm basically a billboard for Nike, Mm -hmm. but I kind of have trouble feeding myself sometimes Mm -hmm. or just kind of buying the book or Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. So this was meant to kind of be a stopgap, I think. So this is, you saw a lot of those kind of student athlete measures. They have now guaranteed scholarships for four years. The Pac-12 guarantees like you can't. Is that new or is that? Yeah, a couple years ago. So, you know, if you can't just be tossed off the team and we want somebody else who's better and you lose your scholarship. Now you are, you get that. Mm. Um, there's unlimited food. Like when you, during the season, mm. when you go into the cafeteria, walk-ons and scholarship athletes alike can now yeah. eat, um, unlimited meals mm-hmm. on the school's dime. So it's, there's things like that. that I feel like the no, last I don't about says food's not the best, but yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> well, at, at the student athlete center, the food is really good. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that, I've said the last two or three years, there have been so many more initiatives taken to kind of supplement the student athletes mm. and the universities are putting the bill for that though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good to hear if you're talking to athletes and they do feel it. So they feel maybe it's a little, I don't know. It's not life changing money, yeah, but it definitely it, helps. It helps. Right. Okay. So you mentioned kind of Nike and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Nike and I, I love what they've done for the U of O, but like you said, there is this they're one of the few schools that have everything, right? And how is that perception-wise for the athletes there? There's no, I mean, they're very thankful, right? Is there, do you ever get off the cuff kind of comments about, like, said I am a billboard for them, or uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's part of the allure, you yeah. know, is that you get there and, um, you know, maybe you'll get a model of a kind of like a workout shirt of the latest technology, or like maybe a shoe like Oregon has for several years now received custom air jordans mm-hmm. you know i'm sure you've seen them online float yeah. around you know the, the colorways are green and yellow or they have little details and they're usually designed by tinker hatfield the you know mm-hmm. iconic designer at nike or a former oregon wide receiver named jason williams really from the early okay. from the mid-2000s um he also has, ha- has had a hand in helping design some of these cool so that's something that um i know the new coach willie taggart said if you're coming here to kind of have a uniform don't don't show up. We don't want that to be the reason why you show up here, mm-hmm. but it definitely still plays a role. You know, that yeah. it's kind of like, they call it duck swag on Twitter. Yeah. You know, they, the yeah. quick Twitter account for the equipment managers. That's a big Twitter account. Like you would never think that, but it's like, they are, they get to show off. It's crazy. What they want. Yeah. So I, my friend from high school, his name's Kenny Farr. Shout out to Kenny. He's, you know, Kenny. Yeah. Oh, wow. I went to high school with Kenny. He's equipment manager of the ducks. Yeah. I know Kenny well. And he's an awesome guy. Uh, but I always, I'm jealous. I see his Instagram. I'm like, he's got these like one-off duck Jordans and he's got a good gig. And yeah. I think he, like you said, it's interesting. He's, he probably is one of the more popular people follow just about the swag <laughs> so. i saw kenny um about a week and a half ago i went to marcus mariota's charity golf tournament for his uh-huh. foundation down in springfield and kenny walked in and again this guy he's in charge of football athletic equipment um so you know ex- when they're thinking about changing up uniforms he has a hand in saying like at least in the past that he would kind of get some athletes to maybe give some input to the Nike designers. And, and he gets, he's kind of like the guy who hands out the stuff on Christmas morning (laughs) and he's the gatekeeper to a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, He and, and Pooh Watson, who's also in that uh, equipment department. But when Kenny walked in the tournament, all the former players were like, Kenny, you know, (laughs) because they, when you're in the NFL, if you make an NFL roster and you're a former duck, 
Uh, I think that at a certain point, maybe like late September, so like you are on the, the roster, you get a gift package from Oregon wow. with all of like the stuff the latest athletes yeah. are getting. You get some of that too. So Kenny's kind of the gatekeeper to that too. I yeah. love it. Yeah. We'll tell Kenny I said, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, again, I want to get into the football thing because new coach and things, but more on the, about the business stuff. We were chatting before this too about esports. So, we, we, both I, you and I don't know too much about it, but we, we, you're around the professional sports. So the Blazers, the NBA league, they're starting an esports league. I was talking to Corey Dolge from the Timbers and they're starting to invest in it. And you were mentioning the Pac 12 was one of the first kind of leagues to come on board. And so what's going on with that? Are they still investing in it or? They, they came out about a year ago and said that they were going to be the first conference to really kind of look into esports launching an esports mm-hmm. thing where every university in the Pac 12, so 12 universities, they envisioned having, you know, each one having some kind of team that would compete against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, last month I saw a couple stories saying that they, they haven't quite, uh, launched it yet. You know, they're kind of backing off and saying we still want more time to think about it. Yeah. But Utah in this story, I was reading on Deadspin, they were, um, you know, Utah, they have a team that this guy who they're part of like the college of engineering there. Okay. Um, but they're also kind of quasi part of the athletic program or at least want to be, you know, cause they mm-hmm. think that it's esports. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a home. It's like this nebulous thing, you know, where do you belong if you're an esports team? Um, but it's clear that the PAC 12, you know, with universities in the Bay area, you know, Silicon Valley, they, they recognized mm-hmm. that that might be an audience they can, they can capture, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, and, and, and who knows how it'll play out literally like these people wear school colors. Yeah. Are there, is Nike going to be supplying these people with uniforms or Under Armour for UCLA or, but it's uh it's definitely forward thinking. The execution seems like it's, has a lot of kinks to work out, yeah. but um, I, you know, they're, they clearly see it that, this could be a way to bring in more more people as the esports get more popular. Yeah. And when I was talking to Corey from the Timbers, they were thinking about investing in specific players you know, these are influencers, like millions of people watch these people play online, like in real time. That's and so interesting to me. It's so <laughs> interesting. And he was kind of saying there's a lot of, you know, it's like endorsing someone, right? But it might be like a 19-year-old kid. So there's a lot of kind of things they got to work out and see. So people are almost waiting to see what other leagues do or teams or colleges. So um, I'm very bullish on it. I think, you know, business-wise, there's a lot of opportunity, but it's just not mature yet. So. And with universities, you're talking about sponsoring people right. from the Timbers perspective. You know, obviously the NCAA is just dominated by amateurism issues. So mm-hmm. I, that's obviously something that has to be figured out. If, yeah. if you play in a tournament, can you, uh, can you win money, you know, or just what are these people compensated? What, what kind of benefits will they receive uh, re, re, against, uh, you know, what a student athlete would receive playing on the lacrosse team or basketball? Yeah. Yeah. So that's obviously a core thing that I think has to be figured out. Yeah. Um, because if you are, if you are a really good esports player, why would you want to play for the college? If you can just, like you said, go. Right. It's not like they're getting scholarships. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, so it's, it's fascinating. I don't know how they're going to pull yeah. it off. Yeah. So journalism wise, I'm, you know, I worked for the Oregonian. I've had Mike Rogue away on here as a business reporter. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, I always seen the business model um, changing and you're, you're in sports, right? So, um, I'm always for journalists, you can go do, do you speaking engagements and things? How do you, 
how does that work? Can you supplement things on your own with the job? Because you, you're kind of identified as that person. Yeah. But you kind of would hope to use that to, to do other opportunities. So I haven't kind of, um, sought out like kind of where the bounds are. Yeah. I know in the past we, uh, people have been able to freelance for, um, you know, national outlets, uh, in the past when my coworker was freelanced for Grantland, the, you know, now defunct ESPN site, mm-hmm. because it didn't interact at all with their beat. Right. Uh, they were, so they were covering one college football team. This was a totally different college football team. Okay. And that was allowed. I'm not sure if that's still something that would be okay. Um, Speaking engagements, you know, like stuff like this, or mm-hmm. I went on KGW last week. Yeah. I don't, I just show up. I don't expect yeah, to yeah. be paid. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we have people like John Canzano who goes on TV and has a radio show. Obviously he's paid for that. Right. So there's clearly some level of, you can probably benefit mm-hmm. from it, but I, I haven't yeah. um, looked well, into it. It's probably yeah. my fault. No, well, I know Canzano, like I know him and he's got like four different jobs and yeah, he works extremely hard. So, and I know he's got through three kids and so he, he stretches himself thin. So there's that aspect too, right? He's it's probably balanced. the hardest working person in Portland media. I mean, yeah. like it's not me sucking up. Like yeah. he, I, I don't know how he does his workload because he yeah. does TV on Sunday nights. He has radio for three hours a day. Right. You know, he does his column. Um, mm-hmm. and he's always checking in with me about what I'm hearing. So like he's doing his job. Right. Uh, yeah. That, that kind of schedule is, is pretty uh, daunting. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about my ducks. <laughs> new, co- new coaching staff. Um, I've been kind of checking in and reading your stuff, see what's going on. Obviously they've gotten some buzz about new recruiting classes doing really great. That might be for next year. Right. And so, you know, what's, what do you think <laughs> this year? You know, it's going to be really interesting to track. I felt like my first two years, 2013, 2014, and they had Marcus Mariota and a pretty good defense. And you could just kind of see how games were going to go. You could just kind of pencil them in for, nine, 10 wins. Yeah. And, uh, you knew against the also rands of the conference, they were just going to smother them. Mm-hmm. And starting in 2015, when he left and they brought in a graduate transfer quarterback and kind of a one year rental. And you, that was the first time it's now happened, uh, 2015, 2016, and of course, 2017 with all the changes where you just entered a season and didn't really know what to expect. You know, right. you didn't have that safety blanket with, yeah. with Mariota where you just knew he was probably going to cover up mm-hmm. a lot of issues. So for me, while those ducks, the Mariota ducks, were more successful in some ways, um, this may be more interesting from a journalistic point of view for these teams because you just it could go really could go really well, yeah. Or last like last season, it could go four and eight, yeah, and be a real problem and lead to you know a change that Oregon hadn't done in four years, mm-hmm. like fired a coach. Mm-hmm. So it's um, I think that they're going to make a bowl. You know, that's kind of the baseline. They have talent. Yeah, they play in a really tough division. Um, but I think that the schedule is pretty, pretty, is a good thing for them. You know, mm-hmm. they have a pretty easy start to the Pac-12 play where they play teams that are also in various states of disrepair. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I think that they can, I think they can get to six wins, which is what is, triggers you to go to a bowl. Got it. Um, and, and Vegas, I saw this week, I think put the over under at eight wins. I think that's, you know, hmm. maybe sure. Yeah. I, you know, I talked to people who, close to the program we think that's definitely doable um all hinges on the defense yeah you know and like i it's more interesting for me to watch yeah. and as kind of our family we've been you know donors and season ticket holders for a long time um it's interesting to see about the tickets too and the kind of the attendance i when that shift happens you now as many people are coming down from portland i know that's 
uh, with the AD, they've been kind of talking about how how to do that, especially with the, the night games, because uh, majority of the tickets come from this area up here in Portland. So um, what have you been hearing about that? I mean, they're going to make any changes uh, marketing-wise or just game experience-wise? or This is a perfect time to do this, because yesterday I talked with the guy who's in charge of ticket sales. Okay. I'm going to write a story today about it. And Craig Pintons is his name, and he... Um, he said they are down about 4.7% from last year's season tickets. Last year they had, hmm. when I say 37,000 roughly season tickets, and now they're about, you know, close to 36,000, but still below that. Wow. So the goal is obviously to match or exceed the previous season. Um, this, the record for season tickets was in 2011, which was like 43,000 wow. for perspective. So it's gone downhill quite a bit mm-hmm. since then. Um, last year, the sellout streak ended. It was 110 games. Uh, and, you know, there were long stretches of some games last year. I'm sure you were there where, like, there were huge swaths of empty seats. Yeah. You know, the yeah. product was awful. Maybe the, the timing was on, was not ideal. So uh, people just weren't showing up. I was actually curious if, if you thought about not renewing or, you know, oh, yeah. 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 And it's one of those things, you know, we, when we got these tickets, we share them with my, my folks and great seats, you know, like 10th row, 30 yard line. You're like, I oh, you don't want to give them up that, but you know, do you want to go? And so we're not going to, we were really thinking about this year, but you know, if it's another year or two, probably will. So you're not them. going to drop them or you we're going to keep them. You have to, right. Okay. We're going to keep them. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not like if the team's not as doing as well, it's not like the tickets are, the donor fees going down. They're getting more expensive every year too. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, that's the thing that's, you know, maybe the casual fan who doesn't go to, just gets a single game ticket mm-hmm. here and there. Like my parents, they don't understand is that, um, you know, a, these season tickets come with also like a donor attachment, right. almost all of them. They're most, as much as the tickets. Yeah. More. Yeah. So per it's, ticket. Yeah. it's not just, you know, the price paid for the season tickets. And that's daunting for a lot of fans. Cause like you said, Craig Pitton said this yesterday, the majority of the fans come from outside the Eugene Springfield area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, night games, it's the kind of common refrain of like, I don't want to drive all that way down there, get in traffic and then fight traffic on the way home and right. get home at, you know, one, one thirty AM. That's something that you hear all the time, but it doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. Some people really are put off by them. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. So, you know, I know you cover the decks mostly, but I'm, Portland. How long have you lived in Portland? About three years. Three years. Okay. So I've been here about 10 and um, it's an interesting town. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a smaller market. We got the Blazers. Uh, there's that you know, chant for a while. It's going to MLB team. Do you think we'll ever get another professional sports team? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't ever since the Delta dome, yeah. uh, you know, in the sixties <laughs> was voted down. Yeah. That could have been an NFL stadium. Um, I don't think I, it just seems like, the NHL is this tease that you never, yeah. and the MLB um, without a facility and with the Memorial Coliseum area, seemingly that's going to stay there for a while. It seems like mm-hmm. I just don't know um, where you put it. Um, you know, there's already enough crunch for affordable housing and yeah. I don't know where you block out a stadium sized parcel of land in a desirable area. that's not, you know, fairly far out. Yeah. And then you fight traffic. So I, I'm definitely not someone who kind of, thinks about pro sports and the expansion a whole lot. So maybe I'm not the expert on this, but it just, it just doesn't seem like um, there's a whole lot of movement there. Yeah. And that's something that Merritt Paulson, of course, would, uh, would or Paul Allen would obviously have their finger on the pulse of, but 
from my chair, it just feels like, it just always feels like something that's good to talk about on sports radio for a while and kind of, you know, would you want it? Would you not? But then it just kind of disappears. I feel like the NHL probably is the most likely because there is a facility, obviously the motor center, but even then, you know, if would the Phoenix Coyotes with, and Glendale, would they ever leave? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, like I said, I know some folks in the organizations, the Blazers and Timbers and, I don't know. There's a lot of appetite for either of them to buy something, but I know like a NBA development team yeah. has been, as you mentioned, they're looking at bringing here. Yeah. It's just kind of same thing. It'd be have to be on kind of the outskirts where they can find somewhere that sweet spot for the attendance wise. But, um, a thing I always like to ask people too is, you know, you have a young family as I do. And it's, uh, you know, Portland's a great place if you're working and living here for that. But it's hard. It is changing, and it's hard to kind of balance that. We're just your job. You're on the road starting like next month, right? So, um, how do you? I mean, how are you working with that? How, that balance. How do you strike that balance? And, and we're like we were talking a lot about it actually, and it's tough. But um, I, I, are you guys going to stick in Portland for the for a while? And do you like kind of life at this? Year? Yeah, I think so. We we really like Portland. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I really like Portland quite a bit, and so. Um, I, I, there's, you know, the problems, like we could always talk about the traffic and like driving down to Eugene is an ideal, yeah. but the city itself, I love it so much. I grew up in a small town in Oregon, so, mm-hmm. and didn't spend a whole lot of time in Portland. So it's always been to me, this kind of like, you know, yeah. it's so, you know, it's so much more culture to do and there's so many more things. And, um, so I've always really enjoyed this about the city, mm-hmm. um, taking, you know, the pro- problems that it might have into account i still really like it mm-hmm. quite a bit so i yeah i really like living in portland and um i like too that it seems like when we got here there was this kind of uh, thrust of you know 20 somethings or early 30 somethings around our age group that it felt like you were part of a young city mm-hmm. and um livability is always gonna be a problem as you know cost rise but we feel like it's been pretty great. The trade off has been pretty great. Yeah, it is. I mean, I say I grew up in a small town too, and it, it was if you grew around different places around the state, this is the kind of natural place you want. Yeah, a lot of people want to end up, and so I just worry that um, for the folks that are here in our state, that's harder to do. Yeah, it's just because people are moving up from other states. Not that I'm trashing other states, no, but no. it's just changing. And so I think for the business climate, it, it's a good thing because uh, we're growing, getting a lot of great companies moving here, but. I'm just always, you know, we'll see where it goes. And that's why I like, even though the commute to Eugene, we're talking about kind of managing the job schedule, yeah. even though um, it is a bear to go down to Eugene three or four times a week for, yeah. you know, four or five months. It's, uh, it's, I love kind of being able to spend time when I'm here in Portland. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's, it's a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, there's not really a whole lot you can do in terms of managing the job schedule mm-hmm. um when you're driving sometimes four hours a day you're just kind of stuck yeah but we do carpool a lot yeah. uh, there's several reporters who cover the ducks who live in portland so we'll go down together and we can work in the car you know one person like my coworker tyson alger who covers the ducks he might drive one day and all transcribe quotes we just got um we stay over sometimes yeah but you know you're always on twitter you're mm-hmm. always checking your tweet notifications. You're always, you're never really off during football season. So yeah. I could be living in Eugene, a, you know, a block away from the stadium and, and I would still feel right. like I'm connected and I'm always working. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. That's the hard part, but that's, you know, it, it also makes the job kind of fun and really stressful, but also fun. 
Man, you gotta get the Oregonian to get you a helicopter or a jet or. <laughs> I've seen Phil Knight's helicopter <laughs> yeah, land. Yeah, as you're like on I five. Yeah. Like, come by. You're like, hey, you're right, man. So. Yeah, Kobe Bryant was famous for taking his helicopter from Orange County to the Staples Center. Right. Uh, we're not gonna spring for that, yeah. you know. But yeah. uh, a, a ride sharing is basically our height of technology right now. That's cool. So Do you, you want to take my your car or mine? Right, and this is with other outlets, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like. Yeah. W and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, Andrew, thanks for, so much for doing this. I, like I said, got to talk about my favorite things, stocks, sports, uh, Portland business. So I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.